everybody. Welcome to the Great and Terrible AHS. We're here to talk about... God, even the name of this episode sucks, man. <laughs> the Coat Hanger, uh, episode nine. With me is Slow Beef. Yo. Hey. How's it going? And Lovely. Hey. Hello. I'm... Oh. I, I don't know if there's a single part of this episode I liked. <laughs> like, I'm thinking through it, and I, I this might be the most... It's rough, right? I, it's not. I did. Uh, there is one scene that unfortunately happens in the opening sequence, um, and it's not even a scene. It's a stinger that plays for precisely two seconds in the opening sequence. Um, that was really funny and made me do like an audible like snort because it's just uh-huh. so funnily timed. Um, that's about it. Uh, I guess to to get to that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, let's let's hit that peak immediately, honey. Yeah, and then it's all downhill from there. All downhill from there. Um, yeah, uh, it's I, it's hard to like. I, I always want to say, oh, it's present day when we do these cutaways to like the 2010s or whatever this right. season came out. Um, because I also say present day for like when we're not doing a flashback at Briarcliff, um, because that's where the show takes place for most of the time. Um, but this is like so present day. Like, yeah. Future. This is like yeah. modern day. I guess modern day would be a I think, better way. I think to it's clear. And it. I don't think anybody is probably like, Oh, 2020. You know what I mean? I, think, I, like, I know <laughs> yeah. exactly what you meant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, um, <laughs> Some dude named Johnny uh, is at a psychiatrist's office. Um, it again, they did such a dog it's water tr- like job of trying to like hide it's, this guy's identity that we already know exactly bad. who he is. Like <laughs> yeah, we knew, it's like bad. it's so obvious. Yeah. yeah, we knew like five episodes ago who he was, and they treat it like it's a reveal, and it's not. Like it's clearly. <sighs> It's clearly the guy who plays Ben Harmon. Um, Dylan McDermott, I think his Dylan, name is. Yeah, Dylan yeah. McDermott. Um, who again, when he was in the other episode that he was in, which I can't remember which one that was in, but it was like three episodes ago, I think. It was when he, um, yeah, the cops call him or he calls the cops to like taunt them or whatever, yeah, right? He's like on the phone with them and they don't even try to like yeah. make him sound like a different person. <laughs> oh, he, yeah, he's just doing the like Ben Harmon breakdown voice of like the like angry like <laughs> while he's like freaking out kind of tone. And that's all he's doing is this character as well. So it's like the same the same voice right it's like right. he's not doing anything to, yeah and it's not like an accent or any of all the times to not give characters an accent <laughs> yeah. this was like the one time they really needed to do uh, it <laughs> and like the other part of it is like I, it, it's really hard to explain but like he has a really identifiable voice he doesn't just yeah. have like yeah. it's not like he's like he's not like gilbert godfried or anything but like you when you hear it you're like oh that's oh that God. guy <laughs> that would be great like, i have the bloody face killer <laughs> Are you bloody faces, kid? Oh my god! You got a dog! I needed you, and you got a dog! (laughs) Oh my god! Can you imagine if he played Ben Harmon in season one? That would have been so good. You're dead, and I didn't even know it, Violet. Hayden, what are you doing? Oh my god! Um, We haven't had sex in five years, three months, seventeen days. Sorry. Forty-six seconds. Um. But yeah, like it's hard to explain. All right, it's like it's it's you can tell who it is if you've seen literally any American Horror Story and you hear him talking. You're like, yeah, that's Dylan McDermott. Like, ta-da! You know who that is who's speaking. So it's not like a good reveal. Um, They do that in several different seasons of the show where they have a character who's supposed to be like a secret, but they just have like the actor talking. Like uh, in the episode or in season one, they have just Jessica Lang talking on the phone to Ben Harmon um, and he mm-hmm. somehow doesn't know that's Constance question mark even though he's talked to Constance and does talk to Constance like constantly <laughs> yeah American Horror Story is run by the people who like in Twitch chat will mistake like me and future friend who has a very <laughs> thick European accent like it's like most people they just cannot tell voices apart even a little <laughs> And they don't think any other human being can either, evidently. So we know already yeah. going into this, like if you have more than one functioning brain cell, you already know going into this, oh, that was the dude who was on the phone who called in the bloody face murders. Because remember that whole deal with the three copycat bloody faces and then the real one showed up. Um, remember all that? Uh, yeah. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> he's uh, 
he's uh he's here and he's in a psychiatrist's office but we don't know who he is yet um because it's a big it's a big reveal um and he's talking to uh dr gardner who is the i'm doing huge air quotes a psychiatrist um for this season question mark because it seems like we have multiple psychiatrists in every iteration of every season and um, subsequent spinoffs of American Horror Story, and they um, are never actually <laughs> a functioning psychiatrist in a real capacity um, or a professional capacity. Well, anyway, time to do hypnotism. <laughs> Sit down. I'm pulling out a pocket watch. Tick tock. Check this out. You stop. Don't smoke anymore. Stop jerking off. Like that's literally her game plan. I wish I was kidding. Like he just leans forward. He's like, "Hey, I have a bad habit. I need to curb." Which like. Is again, uh, even if you weren't paying attention up to this point, you'd be like, oh, he like kills people. That's yes, what it's good because it's know. American Horror Story. Like, what else could it be? Um, and then she just asked repeatedly, like, what the habit is. And they, they just like really dance around it in a weird way that would immediately be like, oh, okay, one sec. I need to grab something and then call the cops. <laughs> like, yeah. It's so bad. It do- um, yeah. It doesn't make sense for anybody because as the audience, yeah, we know exactly he's talking about murder. It's a horror show. What else is it going to be? And then to her, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, like you can't be like, you wouldn't be like, oh, okay, let's just keep, I'll keep dancing around that with you. Like you're a fucking psychiatrist. Like at some point you're gonna be like, look, man, you gotta tell me what the hell this is. Like before we can even continue talking. I I have to imagine that the writers of American Horror Story were like huge Abbott and Costello fans. And like who's on first (laughs) is like their favorite bit of all time. Because the way that they make these characters constantly talk circles around one another over things that would be like immediately rectified in real life if two human beings were speaking to one another um, is wild. The way they write these dialogues in such a weird meandering way that is so unnatural is mind-blowing. But this is the scene that made me snort laugh. Um, So he's kind of like very vaguely describing his habit that he's had since he was a child. Um... Because he was raised in the foster system. Oh, do we uh, do we know anyone else who was raised in the foster system? Who could who could say? Um, <laughs> uh, and um, he's like being like vague. He's like, yeah, when my foster parents found out, they were like disgusted. So I had to like hide it. And then as I got older, I still had the urges, and I learned how to hide it better. And like he just keeps like using like very vague terminology. And she's just also, nodding. Things that no one would assume is jerking off. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hiding jerking off is like, I don't know, you, you like do it into a piece of toilet paper and flush it down the toilet or something, you know? It's not like a corpse someone finds. <laughs> well, anyway. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, yeah, when my, when I, like, foster parents found out, they thought it was, like, immoral and, like, a, like a dirty thing for me to do. Like, not how you would uh, describe what he's actually talking about. Um, and... So the therapist is like nodding along and then she's like, yeah, you know what? Um, a lot of people do uh, struggle with jerking off too much all the time. Uh, that's crazy. When did you start touching yourself? And he's like, what? No, I skinned a cat. And then it plays a music sting <laughs> and it cuts to her face and she's making the dumbest fucking face and, I've ever seen like- in my life. <laughs> The brutal part is they play this thing like it's supposed to be a reveal, but like even the villain in this scene is like, "How fucking dense are you? I'm talking about killing something. What are you? What jerking <laughs> off? Like it what's is wrong it with is you? truly like a scene out of The Office. Like Michael Scott could have been the psychiatrist in this scene. Like the way that he's like, "No, um, I skinned a cat?" Question mark. And she's like, "What?" Like, I literally like almost did a spit take because it was just such a funny like I know they thought it was like such a cool sting and such a cool reveal. So but it clever, was so clever. Yeah. Funny. But um, and then that's when she starts like if she were a Looney Tunes character, she would be tugging on her collar. OK, so what she's doing is like making it wildly obvious that she's like uh oh this guy's a murderer I gotta get out of here which um this is we have a psychiatrist that has like uh, zero points in speech like yeah. truly is failing every <laughs> rolling, possible speech check ones. 
just crit ones across the board saying the worst things every step of the way like oh you're jerking off no i was killing animals do you do you still kill animals no i kill people now oh i should um <laughs> oh boy look i at left the time. my oven on <laughs> yeah whoa gotta hit the old dusty trail <laughs> and she's like oh I Ding. <laughs> oh cookies are done did you hear that i have to go get those <laughs> She's like, oh, I, I don't know if I'm the one who should be, t you should be talking to about that. And then I'm like, that's like literally like Ty just said, everything she says is like, if you were a therapist, you would know <laughs> not to say this to someone who just admitted that they kill people. Um, and he's hey, like, I'm going to betray your trust real quick. If that's cool with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no reason. Don't worry about it. Um, and like. He goes on this weird little speech where he's like, yeah, like I like I just got to have skin. I love skin. That's my thing. I love skin like my like my dad. Um, and then he's like, I was set up for failure, though, because my dad went to medical school and I didn't go to medical school. And then he goes, do you think it's too late for me? And the therapist who has already made it blatantly obvious she's trying to get the fuck out of there is like. Oh, to turn yourself in? No, I think that's a great idea. And I'm like, you're the dumbest human being alive. I Yeah. <laughs> the worst person. Like, you could have made any statement about redemption, and it at least would have been swinging to get out of there. Yeah, but, right? like, no, absolutely not. You were like, yeah, you can still turn yourself in and stop a thing you're clearly interested in doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's like, no, not to turn myself in, dumbass to go to medical school and i'm like the more that this guy talks the more i like him better than any other character in this show i'm gonna learn how to code so that i can do <laughs> digital skin murder before my dad like i'm gonna i gotta surpass my old man i gotta learn how to maintain a server to do this <laughs> and um i don't even remember how it segues from there but then he's like tldr uh i'm very sad because i'm not as good at killing people as my dad bloody face da 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 uh, that's the big reveal, um, as if it wasn't obvious. Also, it's like, uh, they made this man, uh, by this man, I mean the character, not Dylan McDermott, because it's Dylan McDermott, he can't help how he looks. Um, <laughs> they didn't try to make him look different than Ben Harmon, they just, um, made him look kind of greasy, and also, like, a 40-year-old man trying to dress like a 19-year-old man, um... And it looks kind of weird. Like, his hair is, like, kind of scruffy, but in, like, a Pete Wentz emo kid kind of way. Um, and then he's wearing, like, a blue and yellow flannel that you might see someone wearing in a Hot Topic in, like, the 2010s. Um, just a really weird characterization. They were like, how do we make this character not look like Ben Harmon? And um, this was the best that they could come up with. Uh, which was virtually nothing um, except for dressing him weird uh, and being like he's he's not been harming ta-da at least and, like, not even not even that weird to be honest like <laughs> yeah. it's like fairly normal dress it's like maybe a guy who held on to his clothes for a couple years too long like it's not that like it's oh god <laughs> they they could have done anything to make him more intimidating you know like anything they could have given him like a cool tattoo or something i don't know or like <laughs> literally just like maybe like made his hair like a little different or like i literally anything but like it's not that they don't know how to do that because like in every season that um evan peters is in he plays a different character and he looks wildly different in every season um to a point where you're like yeah i'm not gonna mistake tate langdon for whatever his name is who is the main character of Hotel or <laughs> Kai Anderson, et cetera, et cetera. Even Kai Anderson and Tate Langdon, who are, you know, maybe even close Pretty to the close. same character. You can still tell visually yeah. this is a very different person. This is a different character. Um, they did not try that with this character, with Johnny. Um, he uh, God, imagine if Ben Harmon <laughs> just showed up with, like, bright blue hair, like ninja style. <laughs> Holy shit, that, that would rock. Good. That would be really that good, actually. Good, yeah. I wish they had gone that route. That would have been funny. Uh, but yeah, that's our big dramatic reveal is that um, yeah. in case it wasn't obvious that the guy who is the current modern day bloody face is the child of bloody face. Da -da -da. <sighs> and then the opening sequence plays. Um, now we're back to uh, 
Briarcliff time. I'm just going to say Briarcliff time when it's the 1960s because that's when it where was we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when it when it's not like closed and all that. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. When it's Briarcliff hours. When it's the story you give a shit about. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. the frame story is just not interesting even a little. Like, oh, another bloody face, whatever. Like, call me when we're like back to characters. I give it like pretend, pretend I, to give a so shit about. I have a theory, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail because I I know how the season ends and yeah, beef knows how the season ends. But like, I think what it was, and it's weird because it's like they tested the waters with this framework uh, and then went back to the shitty one in future <laughs> seasons, as we saw with like Roanoke, for example. Um, and and Colt, they do this in almost every season. In fact, I can't think of a season in which they don't do it now. Um, but it's like they realized in season one that like having a culmination, like a finale episode where it's like, oh, this is the future now. And here's just like a bunch of shit that happens um, post the show you watched um, doesn't really translate well unless there was like some buildup to lead you there. So they were like, oh, OK, so in season two, what we'll do is we'll give you uh, little snippets of that exact same format, but like sprinkled throughout the regular show. So it will narratively make no sense why we're showing you this. But then at the end, when we randomly give you like, I don't know, a future shot of like the present day, you won't be like, when why are we getting this? Dump. Yeah. Yeah. They <laughs> want to like, justify it in advance as yeah. opposed to just being like, okay, uh, I believe that you could write a conclusion for these characters, children. I don't know why we had to. This is like <laughs> right. Fire Emblem, but go <laughs> off, I guess. I wanted them to have green hair. That's why I paired them together. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, that's my theory is that they were like, oh, well, we kind of did a bad job in season one. Um, let's try Let's ease them into it by sprinkling it throughout. And then they just they try that format in many different ways over numerous seasons. I think the most egregious so far we've seen is Roanoke, where they just um, completely change the timeline twice throughout the season um, and skip to the future two different times in two different realities. Uh, but that's what I assume is happening here. Anyway, back at Briarcliff old style, um, a nun that we've never met before brings Lana in um, to speak to Mary Eunice, who's in Jude's old office. And she's like, here, I brought Lana. You asked me to bring Lana. Here she is. Uh, and Mary Eunice is like, why didn't you knock on my door? And I'm like, you just told... <sighs> You told her to bring this lady in, and now you're yelling at her for bringing the lady in? Like, goddamn, Mary Eunice, chill <laughs> out. Like, relax. De <laughs> demons, come on. You don't have to fuck with the humans all the time, right? <laughs> you know, whatever. As if, like, the demon inside of Mary Eunice is, like, getting pissy about, like, middle management now. Um, <laughs> maybe she, maybe you, you're a demon. Like, maybe this, like, managing an asylum is, like, a weird goal for you to have. Just a thought. Um, yeah, it, I don't know what the demon's <laughs> end game is at this point. Um, like, because uh, I thought maybe like to interact with the aliens, but it doesn't really seem to be that into that. I, honestly, it's just kind of doing its own shit. She feels like comic. The demon feels like comic relief that went a little too far. You know, where it was like, get it? Because it's like the Exorcist, but turn on its head, and now she's into Christians. And oh shit, we have to do the whole season with her. I don't know. You know. I just think they really yeah. they really liked the idea of having a character who was a nun secretly be like a demon, which yeah. is a good character. I like Mary Eunice, but like I think they leaned too hard into her being the primary antagonist. Um, because like we have just stated, her uh like her intentions <laughs> and her end goals are extremely unclear. Um if her end goals were just kind of like sow some chaos, that would make more sense. But if that was the case, I don't think she'd be so. Um, Can we take invested. a quick aside to talk about talk about like all of our antagonist motivations? Mm -hmm. Because yeah. like really, what? Because like what? I would, yeah, let's think about this real quick. Because um, bloody face, I guess. Um, keep killing people and get away with it. Also, find sure. a lady, find a mom lady, and also frame Kit for murder. For I guess. Snacks. Yeah, find yeah, a lady for get snacks. A mom for snacks. Yeah, um, the the uh, Monsignor wants to become the Pope of New York. I just guess. the regular uh, Pope, according to this episode, just the regular Pope. Which I don't. Again, yeah. I don't know for certain, but that doesn't feel like 
Um, it's like when your parents tell you, like, what do you want to be? And you're like, I want to be the president. And they're like, you can do Astronaut. that. Yeah. 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 Like, you. Pro- I mean, you might be able to, but, like, I would say the odds are astronomically low. Um, and, and so I think that that's a good point is, like, the problem is like he's the only one with a really clear defined motivation and there is no method whatsoever to back it up so it feels like a child being like i want to be an astronaut it's like okay you're five good luck with that (laughs) no one bothers telling him that it's weird or anything yeah i mean that's the thing it's just like it's also like I feel like a particularly ambitious person wouldn't necessarily be like a priest. You know what I mean? Like if you're yeah. like that kind of like motivated yeah. go-getter, it's like I don't know, like why would you um, go into the church whatever? J- Jude like isn't a villain anymore, yeah. so she's just out well, what on was, that, which what is unfortunate because well, she well, was the most interesting villain in the show. <laughs> what Whoops. would we say her motivation was before? Because other other than like fucking with Arden and like running the asylum which isn't really a motivation it's just her job i don't like cozy I feel up like, to the monsignor yeah. like support him in his she's, goals like mm. no i was gonna say she's almost like she almost has like a realistic sort of motivation in that like what's the expression like hurt people hurt people but you know what i mean where she's almost like she's yeah. fucked up and now she's taking out how she fucked up on like these like yeah. mentally ill people you know what i mean like it could be like it's like Almost like close to a comp. I just don't feel like she makes a good non-villain, which now they're trying. Yeah, you know what I mean? One hundred percent. She was easily the most nuanced and fascinating villain, and now she's just kind of yeah. another lady in distress, which I sucks. I don't think she actually had like, aside from the Monsignor thing, I don't think she truly had like a motivation. She didn't have like an end goal. Like I said, she was just kind of living her life. Um, yeah. She didn't have like a thing she was trying to accomplish. But I would say that like, if anything, her character's overarching like drive when it comes to the decision she makes was I think that she had a I think the underlying theme with her was a lot of overwhelming guilt for drunk driving and hitting that kid and like projecting that onto mentally ill people or people with compulsions like her compulsion to drink Um, which again um, nuanced (laughs) not like uh, any other characters in this show Yeah, it was good, and now it's just like, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm in trouble. Help! Never, I'm having a bad time. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, you might be doing something with it. Nah, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's Arden, who has by far the most confusing motivations. Um, this, aside from him mentioning eugenics one time, um, this episode would have you believe that he's not a Nazi. Um, not because they say that he's not, just because um, they just forget that he is. Uh, and it's not relevant, which I don't know to me, like if you introduce a character and you're like, by the way, this character, not only is he a Nazi, he's like uh, a higher ranking one, one who did like one of the, the more the, heinous yeah. Nazis, he was, like, yeah. the worst stuff. Um, he was bad for Nazis and we know what we said. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. like, wow. Okay. It wasn't just like, oh, this dude was a soldier during Nazi time. Like, no, no, this dude like held a ranking official like level of power in in the regime (laughs) he betrayed people in prison camps trust to experiment on them like that's the level of guy we have introduced and then they're (laughs) like no it's okay you can work with him if you really have to like no i cannot (laughs) you have failed to comprehend again no i cannot and that's what i mean it's like that once you've introduced that that's the thing is they love introducing something that like no, we wouldn't just move past that. We can't just move past that. Like him being like a super Nazi doctor and I don't know, the fucking aliens or the monsters that live in the woods that people keep encountering <laughs> but no one ever fucking talks about. Pepper or the being pig fucking man gone. that dances around and attacks people <laughs> and disappears if you yell Roanoke. Yeah, yeah. Like there's all sorts of shit. Yeah. <laughs> like and the, the show is just like just forget we said that was real for a second. We've got other shit. More less exciting stuff to talk about that we need to focus on right now. So sorry we introduced that as a plot point but we have other stuff we have to deal with. Um, so yeah, but like Arden's motivation was, I would say overall, um, to continue being a weird Nazi doctor who wanted to do eugenics and make like a super vaccine serum. Yeah. Yeah, Something like that. Yeah. And I think that was really kind of his own. He was kind of like Jude in the way that like, until all this shit happened, he was kind of just vibing and doing his own thing unprovoked. Um, he had a little bit of beef with Jude, but like other than that, he didn't particularly have like anything I, ruffling his feathers or anything. I, I think the thing is like 
this all this had a more interesting setup, but like the the mid game is like terrible. Like, you know what I mean? Like everybody, <coughs> all their motivations suck. Like they even had like, I think like Jude Arden was like a more interesting like kind of character dynamic. And you know, I feel stupid saying this because it was never good, but it was all like potentially there, and then it well, just kind of. Yeah. Eh. And Liz brought up the theming of guilt earlier, and that was a big thing, right? Is like Jude is someone who is extremely guilty, but also very righteous and trying to do the just and good thing. Whereas Arden is someone who has never experienced shame once in his entire life, but is always and is always trying to do the wrong thing, essentially, right? Like that was there was a conflict there of some, and it's just gone. They just took it away. They were like, nah, sorry. There's one good dynamic. We're gonna. I guess the idea is like they're like we're gonna flip it on its head, but they didn't. They just like ruined Jude and took and Arden's just there now. Yeah, <laughs> like alone also, and bored. No, as if that wasn't bad enough. As if like his whole being a Nazi thing, which again they dedicated several episodes to. Like that was There's the a crux guy who of got killed. And Frank of this. was here for two episodes because yeah. of him being a Nazi. Yeah, we <laughs> got two episodes about it. <laughs> um, we lobotomized Anne Frank to establish she was a Nazi, and then a detective does that anyway. Like, and uh, all of that aside, just completely forgetting that, we also had a small little snippet where we found out he's been like serial killing women and taking photographs of them and keeping them in his oh, house. Yeah, right. Um, There's like that so much never shit gets going. Right. Because I just fucking <laughs> forgot about that entirely because so much shit happens in this fucking season. Also, he pulls a fucking microchip out of Kit's neck. That's that's not relevant until this episode again. We've come all the way to this episode without mentioning it ever again. Um, yeah. <laughs> so just They keep dumping stuff on us about Art and then being like, don't worry about it. He's just a little fella. He's a doctor. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> He's just a little guy. <laughs> And enough about that. It's time to talk about Lana, a.k.a. Lena, a.k.a. whatever they're calling her today, who is... <sighs> I hate this. I hate this twist so much. Twist, I say, as if it's not the most obvious thing. Um, Mary Eunice The rabbit is, died. Yeah, so... Like, <sighs> <laughs> the rabbit died. Is, that, is this anything? Me holding that expression up. Is this anything? Um, uh, Mary Eunice just says that, like, we're supposed to know what the fuck that means. Um, if you don't, which I'm sure you don't, um, it means that Lana's pregnant. Ta-da. As if the title of this episode being The Coat Hanger wasn't heavy-handed enough for you. Yeah. So and then Mary Eunice gives her the worst medical advice I've ever heard in my life, which is like the most no one would do this of she says like her aunt told her to drink a Drano margarita or something, which is like, yeah, drink half a cup of Drano for every two weeks you've been pregnant, which like Duh. if you've been pregnant for three weeks, that just means like that's like a whole drink thing of Drano. That's like a whole bottle. Yeah. That'll that'll just kill you is what that'll do. Like that you'll die. That's I mean, you will no longer be pregnant. You will also be dead. That's um, the other part about this that's like super confusing is like is this the demon talking? Is she like is the demon like feeding on Mary Eunice's like memories or is this like the demon being like yeah, my aunt, my my hell aunt um makes Drano maybe margaritas. It's demon medicine. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, maybe that's the problem. This is medicine for demons, and she forgot that, like, humans have different needs. And then there's, like, a weird... Uh, this literally culminates to nothing, um, where she kind of, like... She being Mary Eunice is like, so, Lana, um, are you sweet on Threadson now that you're pregnant with his baby, or are you still, like, sticking to the assault story? And then, for some reason, Lana's like, oh, no, the assault wasn't real. I must have hit my head in the car accident, which... I, I assume what they're trying to imply here is, like, Lana's trying to, like, say that Threadson's not the father, but that just, you could have just I, said that, no, I just had sex with someone else. Like, and a paternity test would probably be done anyway. Like, I don't understand why they have her recant this, because it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense for her character, why her character would be like, oh, no, you're right, like... 
Uh, it's not Threadson's baby. Yeah, Lana, who who famously <laughs> loves just like flipping on the truth and being like, actually, the truth in the story doesn't matter. I'm going to report on bullshit. I made it <laughs> up. <laughs> like, yeah, <that's- laughs> and it's not even like people are. It's not even like people are like pressing her on it. It's really weird. It's like she's been like silenced, but no one is doing that. Like all that happened was Mary Eunice being like, oh, so. Are you like, and also Mary Eunice being like, oh, are you sweet on Threadson now that you're like pregnant with his baby? And I'm like, when was she sweet on Threadson? Like, right? She didn't, she didn't even mention Threadson until you brought it up. Like, what is that about? Um, I, yeah, this is a really, really weird exchange. Um, Drano Margarita aside, um, Mary Eunice, while she's talking about the Drano Margarita, this is just an aside because this is a weird thing for her to say. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, yeah, my aunt taught me this when my slutty cousin Molly got preggers by Billy Porter. First of all, had to Google to see when we started saying preggers because it did not sound like something we were saying in the 1960s. Um, we were, evidently. Fun fact. We were saying it since the 1940s. Um I, I guess good job, American Horror Story. No, they didn't. They didn't know. This should have oh, been no, a mistake. They, they you know? for sure. They for sure didn't know. Um, this I- use of the word preggers is not anachronistic. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the check. Um, and then name dropping Billy Porter, who is an actor in American Horror Story, um, in several seasons, um, as the name of this character who doesn't need a name, very odd. Like gives him a first name, last name, name drop. Very weird. It'd be like if just in the middle of American Horror Story, they were like, Yeah, remember when Jessica Lang got pregnant and they were just like referring to just like a random character that's only not even shown on the screen? Like, it's just a really weird thing for her to say. Um, just it, it literally it's made like, me do like a second take. Like, what? Why did we name this character? And why that did they? Had Brad Pitt owes me five hundred dollars. Fucking, <laughs> fucking Michael Chiklis, who only was by for that one time. Wink. Oh my god, it was just so weird. Like, it. I had to like pause it and like do a double take. Like, why did we do? Why did you do that? Um. Anyway, that's kind of like the culmination of the conversation, and then. Lana's like, give me that paper that says I'm pregnant with Threadson's baby, I guess. Um, and then the the camera starts going apeshit bananas. And then um, Lana passes out. Uh, that's not really explored further. Um, I'm not even sure she faked it or not. She just passes out. Uh, now we're somewhere <coughs> else. Um, <laughs> and now it's time for Jude to go to prison, which is <laughs> yeah. also Briarcliff right mm-hmm. now. It's yeah, If you were confused on the state of whether or not Briarcliff is currently an asylum or a prison, the waveform has collapsed fully to prison for at least the next <laughs> 10 minutes. Uh, I would argue for the rest of the episode. Um, also, just yeah. so we're clear, yeah, honestly, yeah. because something I will be referencing for the rest of this is... Uh, I want to establish right now, Jude is waking up. The last time we saw Jude, she had been in the Royal Rumble with Lee, the Santa mm-hmm. man. Meaning that there is no way this is not the day after Christmas. Otherwise, she's been in a coma for multiple days. Good call, yeah. Um. So just keep that in your mind. Also, spoiler alert, we'll find out that Lee, the Santa man she stabbed with the letter opener survived actually um he got stabbed in the neck but he lived and every time we will see lee for the rest of the episode which will be many times he has a still fresh bleeding neck wound which is not something that you would have uh, like what a jerk you will (laughs) you will not have this like you wouldn't have that like say i don't know um how long does it take for like you to be able to see the heartbeat of a baby? Oh, I don't know, 14 weeks or something like that? I don't know. Just keep that in mind. Uh, it's not 14 weeks. It's like at earliest, I think like six or four or something. But just keep that in mind. There's a time There's a time frame um, to be referenced here. Uh, so just keep that in mind that Jude's waking up for the first time, um, presumably the next day, uh, unless she's been in a coma and no one mentioned it for some reason. Um She's got like a weird head brace on, um, and she's strapped yeah. to the bed. If she was Professor Xavier, it would allow her to like project her psychic blasts <laughs> another like twenty feet. I think. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. 
yeah, don't know why they felt the need to put her in that. Um, I think at some point they just take it off and are like, sorry, that was silly of us. <laughs> it looked cool. We we don't get to use it that often. We just wanted to put it on somebody. Sorry. We're just lousy with nest braces right now. So, you know. <laughs> we got to make sure that these get written off on our taxes for some reason. So we got to put them on there. Um, and then the Monsignor comes in and is like, hey, what's up? Um, I'm about to explain... Um, our very stupid Ocean's Eleven uh, plot to you. Um, we always have to have one of these in every season, and you are unfortunately the target of this one. Um, so, while well, you were in your weird little mini coma, uh, everybody, meaning me, Arden, Mary Eunice, the head nun, and Lee, who you didn't actually kill, um, all told the police that you killed Frank. Uh, Here's a flashback of all of us telling the police that you killed Frank. So this is infuriating. How did you get knocked out? I forgot. How did you get knocked out at the end of that fight? Oh, uh, we don't she see just, that. Like, I don't kind think. of fall like uh, like out of exhaustion yeah. or whatever, you know. Oh, okay. I don't think it was. I yeah. was wondering because like. How did they like find? Did they find her passed out with like Lee stabbed and Frank d- dead? Was that the idea? Uh, well, I Frank died I mean, like really downstairs. That the Monsignor would believe this. Like, uh, sure, everyone else could be in it, but like the Monsignor just believing this is so fucking wild. Well, I don't think he does. I think he's one of the people who's just dead ass lying because they're gonna show like all of these characters giving yeah. testimony. And, like, three of them are just dead-ass lying, just straight-up lying to the police, being like, yeah, no, we saw, we definitely saw Jude kill that guy. And, like, we've seen that the Monsignor is, like, on board with doing what needs to be done to, like, protect the asylum, question mark. You don't um, to become you don't, the Pope of New York, yeah. please. You don't make uh, yeah. you don't make Pope without committing a few sins. That's like the movie poster. Hey, you know. But right. And like he knew that he was aware that Frank needed to go, or Frank was gonna like tell the police or whatever. Like he was in on it. Um, but what's super confusing about this is all of the people who are giving this testimony, all of them. There's none of them that are not in on it. Are either just straight up lying um and i'm not like saying like oh they have to be lying this doesn't make sense i'm telling you they are lying like the character is lying and they know they're lying um or they are retelling events that actually did happen that frame jude in an unfavorable light on purpose because it was orchestrated that way um where they are the only witness to that event which means that they could in theory have just not framed her and just lied because they are the only witness and them telling the truth about it doesn't matter they didn't need to actually frame her for stuff they could have just been like yeah all of us agree she killed Frank. They didn't need to do this thing where they like made her fall off the wagon and then made her show up at Sam's apartment and frame her for his killing and all well, this other but stuff. The demon wouldn't have the wood demon wouldn't have helped otherwise. She just wanted it to be fun and cool. So she wanted it to be like a big thing, you know, a big fun production. <laughs> That's fair. This is all for Mary Eunice's benefit because Mary you, Eunice yeah, was bored. You, you got to remember, some people's objectives are just to have a good time. And <laughs> occasionally, that does come into conflict with people who try and do things a little too efficiently. Some people just want to watch the world burn, I guess. Uh. And some people want to watch a clown step on rakes that are on fire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and it, this isn't even like in cult where like they needed to gaslight what's her name in order to like have her perfectly fall into the clown trap or whatever like there's no reason they needed to gaslight jude if they have all these people telling the police um hey yeah we all witnessed this woman um kill frank and the reason she did that that we all unanimously agree on is that she fell off the wagon because she was fired um and came back and killed frank because she was mad that she was fired and she was under the influence of alcohol um, that is all of our stories. We have all given the same story. That is what we have decided to tell the police in order to get her um, sent to jail, you might be asking, since she did allegedly do a murder. No, sent to Briarcliff, you know, where they send people who um, 
you know, do violence at their workplace when they're mad about being fired. That's where you usually send those people, the asylum, uh, people who make a conscious decision to um, do harm in their right mind. You know, the place you send those <laughs> people. She stabbed Santa. She must be mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she must be crazy. That's Santa Claus. Also, <laughs> speaking of Santa Claus, um, during this testimony sequence, they give Lee a wildly long amount of time um, talking to the police officer. They're like in an intervention style where they're all sitting in front of the police. Um and like he's like, here's a really weird long monologue about how I've reformed my ways as being the Santa serial killer man. Also, now I think that I did a good thing by sending 18 people to heaven when I serial killed them as Santa Claus. It's w- really long and very strange and extra weird when you remember that like he's not the one on trial here. They're just giving testimony about the crime that Jude allegedly did. (laughs) And this police officer shouldn't give a shit about what Lee is saying. And so what it's supposed to be, except it doesn't make sense yet because we haven't seen this motive, is Lee like trying to get in with the Monsignor and just be like, oh, I'm going to be your little, your, your person you converted perfectly from being this like famed serial killer into being this like wonderful Christian. And I think that's what it's supposed to be, but it just like, doesn't make sense for him to do it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's very, very odd. And also like, again, at that point you'd think that the police officer would just be like, oh, that's nice. Um, can we talk about Jude, the lady who did the murder, though? Um, yeah. <laughs> like, maybe not your weird <laughs> thing about, like, sending people to heaven or whatever. Um, and then we cut back to Lee, who is still in the bed. And the Monsignor's like, you're not a nun anymore. Um, we've committed you to Briarcliff. Uh She starts hooting and hollering about it, which honestly, um, not just because she was framed. Uh, yeah, I would be hooting and hollering if you sent me to an insane asylum. Um, for doing what was very clearly a allegedly premeditated act of violence against a workplace that had wronged me. Um, a retaliation yeah. murder, if you will. <laughs> uh, not like a, I think I'm Santa Claus thing. <laughs> who, who could say? <laughs> but again, like Ty said, um, functionally, Briarcliff is now a prison. Because we have what? What are we up to? Six serial killers here now? They acted like Kit being there was a big deal. Uh, it's not. Uh, turns out we have yeah, just right? pocketfuls of this these shit guys. This happens like, yeah, like once every two or three years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we get another one in here. Yeah, and we just <laughs> let them walk around. They're just they're there's, just allowed to just walk around. <laughs> there's elaborate reasons for all of them, but you know we gave you one, so just you know just trust us on the others. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, they're probably not dangerous. Um, it's okay because we'll find out later. We have something called knife check at the end of the day or <laughs> knife count. Sorry. Um, uh, <laughs> hey. Knife check. That's what I <laughs> yell at the boys to make sure they they all got their knives on them still. Knife oh, check. You, you got them? Knife check. What I yell at the boys before I chuck <laughs> knives at them make sure they're paying attention. <laughs> knife check yeah. one, two. <laughs> Yeah, I, w- I was going with, like, can check, like, tell me what you're drinking, and you were going with, like, vibe check, like, I'm going to th- throw a knife at you real quick. Hope you keep that head on a swivel, gamer. <laughs> Clearly, we have two different sets of priorities. Um, uh, we haven't been to the other set in a while, which is the bakery. Um, we have three locations in this show, and the bakery is um, one of them, and we're back. Um, and we're only there for literally four seconds. Um, it's just Lana being in the bakery, looking around, and I guess she finds a coat hanger. I rewatched the scene twice. It is so unclear what Lana is doing in this split-second scene, but I guess it's establishing she gets a coat hanger from somewhere. Um, she doesn't like physically do it in the scene. It's just her standing in a like a panned out shot in the bakery, looking around and then like focusing on something. And then the scene is over. <laughs> um, but in the next scene, she will have a coat hanger. So I guess the assumption is that she saw a coat hanger in the bakery. In the bakery. Yeah. <laughs> um, they and just have those there. Do you not have there. laundry? 
because that seems like where you would find a, you know what the set people probably don't have a laundry <laughs> yeah. So just, like yeah we have yeah. you know the we have the butcher shop slash ice cream slash coffee place and that's it <laughs> that's the one set it, you know it doesn't really matter but like you here's the thing because realistically speaking right even if you were to say oh there's like a place where people walking in could put a coat or whatever in an asylum you'd probably remove like dangerous stuff like coat hangers right like you know not that everybody's macgyver but you can certainly like do damage with a coat hanger if you're you know what with a metal wire yeah yeah yeah, you can fuck up someone pretty good with a metal so you, wire, man. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you think, right? <laughs> you don't gotta be Brock Samson to wrap yeah. it around someone's neck and pull real hard. Or just stab. Yeah, yeah you don't, exactly. You'd remove all that. That's anyway, she's got one. It's in the bakery. You know, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. she got it from the bakery. Not a knife. She got specifically a coat hanger. Um, and that scene's over. In literally the blink of an eye, that scene is over. Um, and then we're back to the Monsignor walking into what is Jude's old office where Mary Eunice's Packing up boxes for a fucking fourth time in this office. Um, <laughs> we get a fourth packing up Jude's shit scene. We have watched Jude's shit specifically get packed up four separate times mm-hmm. throughout the course of the last four episodes of this television show. How she still has shit left to pack up is beyond me. Um, but that is what Mary Eunice is doing. She is packing up Jude's shit again for some fucking reason um and the monsignor walks in uh i guess mary eunice like walked out of the room for a second because the monsignor is thinks he's alone and he sees the red lingerie that we've seen jude wearing occasionally and also mary eunice in that one episode um and he's like looking at it like "Ooh, do you tell me jude was sexy go that's crazy and then mary eunice is like hey what are you doing and he's like oh nothing um, that's that's crazy that Jude would have um sexy stuff. That's wild. And then Mary Eunice is like, Yeah, she was mad horny for someone. Oh well. Uh don't worry about that. Um I'm just cleaning her shit out. Don't, don't ask I, me any more questions. I can detect a lot of things as a demon, but not this. Anyway. Go. Yeah. Who could say? Who could say who she was super into and whether it will be relevant? Um and then um she's like, Hey, she did tell me parentheses she didn't i'm a demon and i read your mind i guess um that you want to be the pope like the irl pope not the pope of new york it is now shifted to being like the real pope uh yeah i think the writers realized that saying like i'm gonna be the head cardinal of new york while like maybe a more realistic and achievable goal than being the pope of the vatican (laughs) is still like it doesn't sound good, you know? It's not like an intimidating goal, you know? Like, I'm going to take over all of Oceania, like, I guess. Also, <laughs> you like, can. I don't know, I guess, like, some people, I mean, obviously, some people are motivated by um, notoriety. That's obviously a, a big motivator for people. But, like, being the Pope is not, as far as I know, not like being the president. Like, you're just, like, chief priest. Like, you're not making, like, decisions and laws. You're not, like, a king. You just do church stuff like you're kind of an icon more than anything i I just don't know why being the pope would be ideal why that would be a goal again maybe notoriety and that's his deal i feel like at the top of the like form to check if you are allowed to be pope like the first thing is do you really want to be the pope like really bad and if you say yes then you're immediately disqualified (laughs) like that should be step one like is this person way too horny to be the pope they cannot be the pope (laughs) yeah you need to be like humble about that shit that's like one of the key elements of popehood i think (laughs) yeah because the next follow-up question would be like well why do you want to be the pope like what's what's your deal (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah that's it's gonna be a declined on that application i think gentlemen um, <laughs> grab the bag of blue smoke we're letting them know we've got a real jerk in here <laughs> oh and um she's like yeah the first time i saw you i knew that guy should be in rome and i'm like i huh? does he does he not know how the pope works either is that why he wants to be the pope so bad as he doesn't know how it works who knows? Um, some might even say by the end of this episode it won't be relevant. Um, anyway, uh, she like kind of tries to seduce him or something. Like she like 
gets crotch level with him because he's standing and she's sitting and she's like talking all sexy. And she's like, I let me do anything I can to make your life easier. And that doesn't go anywhere. Um, <laughs> nothing, nothing hotter than when a lady like crouches down next to my junk like it's a microphone and goes like, yeah, let me know if I can help you. <laughs> Just tap it on it. Is this thing on? Is- <laughs> hey. hey. Oh, uh, you got any help, Monsignor? Just living up. <laughs> you got any games on your phone? Um, <laughs> uh, and again, that doesn't go anywhere. Like, why she's being weird and horny to the Monsignor? The only thing I can think of is she's trying to sever any like potential remaining um, affiliation or any kind of affection that he might have had for Jude because like the implication is kind of like he saw Jude's like sexy lingerie and then Mary Eunice was like yeah she was super horny for someone that's crazy and then he's like oh that was me which I just want to say a weird dynamic from when it was first introduced in episode one um Mm -hmm. they've like kind of made Jude who they have not aged down she is probably two decades older than the Monsignor at minimum um like the weird unrequited love interest for the Monsignor um which was already a hella weird dynamic um and it's like now he's he's just now realizing that um or something <laughs> uh and maybe mary Eunice is like oh we gotta nip that shit in the butt um let's make let's make him want me i guess again this goes nowhere it's weird um lana's back in her not cell um because this is not prison mm-hmm. and it's um not locked very obviously i'm doing air quotes it is locked it is a cell she is locked in there um Big security doors, big security prison doors, not the kind you would go in and out of freely. Um, <laughs> yeah, the kind that you slide food through a flap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I want to really heavily emphasize because hmm. this is a two part episode for us. Um, we're breaking this one up into two parts. We're about halfway done with uh-huh. this episode now. Um, I want to just really emphasize that she is in a room that she cannot freely come and go from. Um, This will be extremely relevant in part two of our podcast. (laughs) Uh, I just want to plant that seed now, though, so everyone thinks about it in the next episode. But anyway, uh, she walks into her not-cell and produces the coat hanger that she got from the bakery, uh, question mark. Um, (laughs) And that's also the end of that scene. Nothing happens with it. It, it like, feels tasteless in how... They're just, like... They act like it's, like, sneaky or clever the way they're being, like, yeah, she's gonna try and do an abortion on herself by having her, like, sneak around and get a coat hanger and then look at it, like, and be like, oh, audience, what's she gonna... Like, we know, man. Like, (laughs) come on. Like, you don't have to do, like, a nine-part presentation buildup. Like, I got... As soon as there was a lady who had a clearly unwanted pregnancy and she got a coat hanger, like, I got it, man. I know the rest of this. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the name of the episode, as if it wasn't heavy-handed enough. It's the name of the goddamn episode. (laughs) And the episode in which she got pregnant was called The Origin of Evil. Like, I know people who use metaphors. They're all fucking cowards. Um, (laughs) And uh, they just wanted to remind us that Lana's got that going on currently. Um, Also, it will become wildly obvious that not only do the American Horror Story writers know nothing about pregnancy, but also um, nothing about abortions. (laughs) Again. (laughs) Um, Jack shit about abortions. Like, you can tell someone mentioned, like, abortions and coat hangers in reference to abortions to or around the American Horror Story writers one time, and they did no follow-up to see... (laughs) what that was about they're like oh got it got it got it i can i can i can draw the rest of the owl i think i know how this works um and they totally don't they very very clearly don't um anyway jude's having a bad time two nuns we've never met are trying to shove pills down her throat like she's a dog and they're trying to give her pills and some cheese she's not having it um (laughs) one of the nuns is like Oh, maybe I'll just go get Frank. Oh wait, you killed him. Oh, and then brother. that's when I had my that's when I had my epiphany of like, wait a second. Why is Jude here? Why isn't she in like real people jail? Why <laughs> is she like in Briarcliff 
the place yeah. that she tried like, to kill someone because she was mad she, she got fired from it. She killed a security guard. Like, it wasn't even like a weird, it was just like, yeah, like a guy was trying to stop her from killing someone and she killed him too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I would think, call me crazy, even if we were just chucking serial killers in Briarcliff for funsies, mm-hmm. um, maybe not the one who specifically was targeting Briarcliff employees or the one who uh successfully killed someone in briarcliff <laughs> yeah maybe we take her out of there maybe we f- you know what if we really want to throw her in an asylum let's find a different one um not the one she yeah. actively is hunting allegedly the employees of and has yeah access let's find to. one that's like and let's make sure it's like flipped left to right so it like takes her longer to acclimate and she won't be able to find where the knives are in the, in the asylum. Because this may shock a lot of people. Uh, in the second half of our episode, we will uh, reveal that she's just allowed to fucking walk around um, for freebies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just like she no- knows all the secrets. Like she's going to jump through the, the right painting and get out of here. Yeah. Like they just let her walk around even though the reason she's in there is because she murdered one of the staff of the establishment that she's in. Hey, you know the thing they threw Lee in like solitary for because he bit a dude's throat out? Like, yeah, maybe we don't keep her in there. It's not like Kit was killing asylum employees. There, If we're going to allow someone to walk around, he was only going for ladies he wanted to skin, allegedly. So like, I don't know, just keep an eye on him. She specifically is allegedly hunting Briarcliff employees for sport. Uh, maybe we don't let her walk around Briarcliff. Who could say? <laughs> I'm not. I might toughen up those Briarcliff kids. I think some of them are a little weak. You <laughs> yeah. know, I could use a little fear in their heart. They could get a little adjusted. To, yeah. You know, they're getting too living, comfortable. Living on the edge. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, 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 clearly, they're letting some stuff slide by. We have some monsters that escaped. We have like people getting scooped by aliens and shit. Clearly, they need to tighten that ship up. So let's, uh, you know, I, actually, I'm for it. Let's uh, let's let it rock. <laughs> let's just let her meander about. That I'm sure will be fine. It'll be no issue, um, and no one would think it was weird. Uh, No one thinks it's weird, spoiler alert, but she is still tied to the bed currently. I don't know at what point they allow her to just start walking around, but right now she's tied to the bed being force-fed pills. Um, And then the Monsignor walks in and is like, hey, 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 cut it out. Stop trying to feed her pills like a dog with cheese. Stop it. Cut it out. Get out of here. Uh, and then she's like, oh, thank God, Timothy, which is his name, in case you've forgotten, uh, you're here. And then, like, again, there's, like, a weird moment where, like, she looks at him like he's a love interest, and he, like, looks at her like, oh, I didn't imagine it. It's it's very odd. It's, like, a subplot nobody wanted, and it's weird that they keep alluding to it, because, again, it goes nowhere. <laughs> and it's also very weird every time it happens. Uh, <laughs> and then he's like... Oh, you seem... He does, like, this weird, like, sundere thing where he's like, Oh, you seem like you don't want to talk to me right now, so I guess I'll just leave. And she's like, No, no, don't leave. I I would love to talk to you right now. Like, I don't know why he's doing this weird thing, like, hard-to-get bashful thing. Um, And she's like, No, no, it's fine. You can talk to me now. Um, And then he's like, I brought you a present. He doesn't say that, but I don't remember how he introduces this. Um... And then he walks Lee into the room, Um, you know, the Santa Claus man who tried to murder her um, and has now framed her for murder. Uh, And he walks in like a little guy, like he's in full like little guy mode where he's like, I'm just a little guy who got stabbed in the neck. I'm just a little guy who was Santa Claus and I'm all I'm a little fella now. Um, And of course, because why wouldn't she be? Jude's like, hey, fucking hate this. This shit sucks. (laughs) Uh can you maybe get him the fuck out of here? Um, and the Monsignor's like, no, 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 no. This is good. This is good. He wants to talk to you. This is good. Just let it happen. Um, and <laughs> he's, he's like, I just want to let you know I forgive you. And Jude, like all of us, is like, what the fuck is happening? What's going on? What is this? <laughs> Um, I assume that all of this is supposed to be like self-serving for the Monsignor so he can like feel better about rehabilitating Lee or whatever. Or it looks better um, for him. Yeah. But again, this is one of those things where like aside from Jude and Lee and him, no one else is like witnessing this. So it doesn't 
mean anything towards his motivation. Because like <laughs> the audience, yeah. they want us, the audience, to see this. I guess in a weird way. Yeah, it, you're right though. There's no point in in universe for this scene to be happening. Um, but he's like, it's like <laughs> he's like, put your get along shirt on. I'm gonna put a t-shirt on both of you, and you're gonna wear your get along shirt. Um, and then Lee's like, I forgive you. Uh, and then we get a weird flashback that's okay. This is the this is where they try to do a metaphor, and it's real confusing. I'm not sure what the metaphor is supposed to be because he's like, I forgive you. And then he's looking down in the bed at her when he says that. And then it cuts to a flashback of one year earlier when he's being tied to the bed because he fucked the nun and he keeps saying raunchy shit and he's making jerk off motions with his hand. And he's just being a real piece of shit wiener boy. And Jude's like, you've got to fucking chill out. You are the worst. You've, you're have you in here because you're a naughty boy and you're fucked up. And she's not even like beating him with a cane or anything. She's just like, hey, hey, hey chill the fuck out. You're awful. And he's awful. just sitting there being like, yeah, call me naughty. I'm a nasty <laughs> little guy. Tell me that. <laughs> and she's like, you fucking suck. Like in that scene, Jude's not being like Jude tm she's just being like any normal person like you fucking suck brother i hate you is so goddamn gross yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) she's like you're stinky i don't like it i'm leaving and he's like he gives some kind of self-important speech about like oh you're gonna forgive my sins or whatever and she's like no that's not how this works that's not my job i don't have to forgive you um that's nothing uh i don't really (laughs) give a shit about whether you're sorry I just need to make sure you don't do gross shit. It's my job to make sure you don't do gross shit. And then he's like, well, I don't need you to forgive me. Um, He says that to her. I don't need you to forgive me. So him looking up at her while he's in the bed saying, I don't need you to forgive me. And then it cuts to back where we were. And it's him looking at her in the bed. And he says, I forgive you. Uh... I don't know what the yeah. metaphor is there, um, what the parallel is, because it's not a parallel. It's two different things. <laughs> it's a guy being shitty in two different ways, right. I guess. Like it, yeah, usually when you do like a mirror metaphor like this, what it is is you have a character say something, and then you have a different character say those same words, but in a very different context, right? That's what it is, as opposed to this, which, yeah, it's just the guy being like, hey, uh, fuck you, and then uh, a different scene of him looking (laughs) down at you from a different angle going, hey, fuck you. (laughs) Like, it doesn't really... (laughs) It doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah, like, even if, like, they just wrote the dialogue different and had him be, like... Had like the Monsignor be like, can you, Jude, can you apologize to Lee for stabbing him in the neck? And then her being like, I don't want to apologize. He was attacking me. It was self-defense. Um, and then having Lee be like, it's okay. I don't need to forgive you. The, At least saying the same thing as Jude did in the other scene. The only <laughs> maybe the only value you could possibly glean is like there's like this inversion now where now he's in power and she had him. Pre- but we did all that last. Like it's already there. Like I don't need another flashback for that. You know, unless it's like. What if people didn't tune in last week? In which case, it's even worse because it's like, why does this guy with the injured neck coming in? And what's the big deal? With it? You know what I mean? Like, hey, why was he dressed as Santa Claus in that flashback? <laughs> oh, what the shit. fuck's going on? Is that the, is that the guy from John Wick? <laughs> <laughs> well, dead boy, yeah. dead boy, not well, yeah, no, exactly. It's so weird. <laughs> it, yeah, it's um, it's real bad. And then I have as the last part of my note here for the end of this scene. He kisses her gently on the forehead and waddles out. And that's not me, like, writing it funny because it's funny no, that like, way. No, he, waddles. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. God. He, he waddles like a fucking pet. He kisses her so gently, <coughs> so weirdly gently on the forehead. Like, if you were to allow, like, a, you know how sometimes when you ask if, like, there's a big brother and a little brother or, like, a baby mm-hmm. and, like, the older brother's, like, three so they still don't fully understand babies or whatever, but they see other people like kissing the baby. So they're like, I want to kiss the baby. And then they do that like toddler thing where they're like awkward and like lean down way too slowly and like beef it. That's what he does (laughs) to Jude, (laughs) but he's a grown man. Also, he doesn't need to kiss her on the forehead because that didn't happen in the scene when he's in the bed. 
that would be maybe like a thing if that had happened otherwise, but it didn't. And it just makes him be a little weirdo. And then he truly does do an honest to God waddle <laughs> out of the room like a little penguin man. Um, and then that's the conclusion of that scene. Uh, and I think probably the conclusion of our discussion of the first half of the episode. Um, yeah. Um, wow. I'm sorry we put you through this, it's- folks at home. <laughs> yeah this is uh this season man they really try to do because it's wild because we haven't even gotten to what is like far and away the only part mm-hmm. of this episode that really matters long term which is <sighs> y'all remember there's aliens in this fucking show <laughs> <laughs> y'all remember there's like aliens <laughs> as a crux to this whole thing because they're about to remember too on the show for the next like Half of this episode, they're going to be like, oh, my God, we have aliens to resolve. And then at the beginning of the next episode, they're going to ruin the aliens forever. So, um, yeah, everyone get strapped in for alien time, I guess. That's, so this episode nine, how many is it in a season? This, for this? They're 12? all different. This is the longest one. It's 13, which is like a normal show. But the rest of the seasons are all like my dog ate my homework and they end at like 10 or 12, you know. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yeah, we're subjected <laughs> yeah. to the long one this season. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that gives them more time to introduce and remove three more antagonists <laughs> before we're done. <laughs> Hell yeah. My favorite part of this Til- season. Yeah. Antagonist bingo. Time, yep. <laughs> uh, bye. So bye.